Hello, everybody. It's your boy, Kyle Conkeel, back with another episode of the Just SDFU podcast. Unfortunately, I had to cut this one a little bit short. I was facing some really weird technical difficulties, but I'm really hoping I have figured it out now. I think my interface just wasn't getting the proper power, and it was cutting out the conversation in some places. So I didn't want to keep dragging that out, but I made it through the podcast. I believe I fixed the problem because it doesn't seem to be cutting out now. And I think the annoying hum went away as well. I had unplugged everything. I got a new uh, USB hub. And then I actually just ended up plugging my Apogee Duet that I'm using, instead of putting it in the USB hub, it's in my USB-C hub, which is connected to my computer. There's no middleman there, so I'm really hoping I figured it out because it was really starting to get on my nerves, unfortunately. Anyways, enough of my problems. I got to clean everything. Everything seems to be working just fine now. But, the episode, I have Kate Devon on. She is new to the, uh, I guess you'd call it YouTube guitar scene. Instagram. Uh, she plays guitar on Instagram. She's been doing a lot of shred collabs. I know she's done some stuff with, uh, with Jared Dines, Michelangelo Badio, my boy Andy James, among many, many, many others. So, like I said, unfortunately, I think we got about 40, 50 minutes in, and uh, my microphone just kept cutting out, and the audio kept cutting out a lot, so I just decided to end the podcast a little bit earlier than I would have normally. But anyway, this is my episode with Kate Devon. Kate Devin, how are you? Ooh, I'm snazzy. How are you? <laughs> Not too bad. Um, I don't know if you play video games, but uh, a video game I've been looking forward to for a long time was just pushed back again, so I'm a little bummed this morning. But other than that, I'm doing just fine. Um, Dope. So we were talking a few days ago, and you said that you had a new Shred, shred collab coming out. Now, mind you, this episode won't be out for the next three weeks, so if it's out before that... We can talk about it now. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah, so um, the next one I have coming out is actually set for December, which the first one I did with was um, with Bradley Hall guitar on his channel, and it had Joel Hoekstra of White Snake, um, Jenks from Blackfield Brides, a bunch of really great players. It was actually twenty-eight people total on one track. Jesus. So. Yeah. So for the next one, I'm gonna try to get thirty. We're gonna see, but. 
we're going to see. It's going to be really cool. But Joel Hoekstra is doing it again. Um, Gabriel Guardian, Rob Chapman is doing it again. Um, we already got some new folks on board, like Michael Angelo Badio and Richard Shaw from Cradle of Filth. So that's going to be really cool. But that next one is set for December. So it is a little ways away, but um, it's definitely crunch time for planning and all that good stuff. And it's going to be for charity again, for There With Care. So um, they're, they're really happy about uh, these collabs. And I really hope that you know, it can help them with uh, giving the fundamental services to all the families that need it. So really grateful for sure. Well, that's awesome. Well, I know you recently did a shred collab with uh, Michelangelo Badio, Andy James, mm -hmm. and I know I'm missing somebody else. Who else Vinny Moore. Vinny Moore. Good old right, Vinny. Right. <laughs> yeah. So I remember Michelangelo Badio from when I first started playing guitar uh, I was a few years after I started playing guitar and the internet was super prominent mm -hmm. and I had on demand. <laughs> I, I can't remember <laughs> what company it was. And he used to have these, uh, these double guitar shred videos on, mm -hmm. on demand. And I used to watch those all the time. I'm like, man, this guy's like the fastest guitar player in the world. And then later on that year, I believe it might've been the same year. It might've been a, a year or two later. But then Dragon Force had released through the Fire and Flames video on demand. And then I was like, oh, these guys are the fastest guitar players in the world now. Um, how did you get hooked <laughs> up with, with uh, Michelangelo Badio? So, yeah, Dragon Force is freaking amazing. I mean, Michael is too, but it's actually quite the funny story. He did a guitar clinic in the good old upstate New York where I am at, at this place called Big Apple, this music shop. And I, I met him there and we kind of just uh, became friends. You know, he kind of just took me under his wing and uh, we, we didn't collab until later. I met him like a year before we collabed, but uh, he's definitely very supportive. He's like my supportive uncle, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> he's That's definitely awesome. cool yeah he's a great uncle of mine so <laughs> now being you're what like 19 20 years old 19 yep i'm old 19... as fuck <laughs> if you're old <laughs> then i'm i'm geriatric um, i would say like i feel like you're like um like 25 or something i'm 34 but thank you um, <laughs> <Dad>. <laughs> now how how long have you been into because I know I started following you last year because uh, mm -hmm. your guitar videos and stuff like that. And, you know, I'm always um, I'm always looking for new and awesome talent out there. Um, how did you kind of get involved with, uh, you know, all of these shred collabs and what made you kind of because I'm not sure if you have a band again. Like I said, before we started doing mm -hmm. this, I don't really much uh, do too much research. But how did you kind of get involved in the, the circle of YouTube guitar players? So, I mean, I grew up on like a lot of contemporary music, kind of like, uh, I want to say Ed Sheeran, kind of people like that, the singer songwriter vibe. But then around like a year and a half ago, I'm not in a band anymore, but I did join like a hard rock slash metal band. And I was really trying to push that edgy vibe and everything. I would still consider myself pretty rocky, but that's kind of how I got into like the metal realm and how I started listening to a bunch of different guitarists because my band members really, really loved people like Angel Vivaldi and Jason Richardson and all those really dope people. So um, from there, when I was in my metal realm, which I wouldn't consider myself to be too much of a metal vocalist anymore, I tried 
um, I met Jared Dines and I did a collab with him and that's kind of how I started meeting all of the really great shredders. It kind of took off after I met Jared, I would say. So yeah. I, yeah, I care about him a lot. He's super cool. You know, he, he, uh, he did that collab with me, the Metallica one. Um, and I just flew to the West coast, did my thing and, you know, just started networking like crazy. But I'm really grateful for every single project. It's been really, really dope. Little baby steps, yeah. you know? <laughs> well, that's awesome that you've had somebody who's had so much reach um, include you. And I know Jared Dines has done a lot the uh, the guitar community, smaller musicians in general and stuff like that. So that's mm -hmm. definitely really awesome of him. Now, being young and... I mean, I don't like to use the term female guitar player. You know, we're all musicians here. We don't need to put a gender name attached to it. Right on. But being a female and being in this scene, do you find that ever since you've probably had a little bit more of an audience, do you find that dudes are more creepy or less creepy? <laughs> oh, gosh. I mean, <laughs> It's so hard to say because with me, I hope I'm not like like sounding like a llama during this. I stutter sometimes. It'd be, fine, like, so do I. it'd be like that. But when I was, I started playing bars locally when I was like 15. And trust me, there were some really creepy dudes that, whoo, I oh, mean. Oh, that's not okay. I mean, that's they, not okay. <laughs> they were weird, man. I mean, some of these stories are, are just crazy, but I... Yeah, uh, dudes were definitely creepier in person when I was out playing bars, I would say. Um, I've kind of taken a break from playing live because of the whole coronavirus thing. I've been working from home and all that good stuff, but people online can be pretty creepy too, so I feel like it's it's kind of even. It's all the all the same. There's always going to be weirdos no matter what. Yeah. <laughs> so it just, yeah. I mean, it's always kind of been like that because I've been in two bands that had female members. One what it was a female lead singer and one was a female lead guitar player. Um, and I just, this was before the of DMs. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, this is like 2010, <laughs> 2010, 2011. Um, so I know that they wouldn't get like creepy DMs, but I would see like if we made like some sort of uh, blabth did like a, a post or a website um we would there would definitely be a lot of inappropriate comments and unfortunately it sucks to hear that now with people being a little bit more accessible <laughs> that dudes oh, are yeah. still kind of creepy dudes i'm not saying all dudes not all dudes do this but it just sucks that uh you know you have to open up your dms to to creepiness and then just especially dudes being creepy when you're 15 playing at a bar that's definitely not appropriate oh, yeah. whatsoever yeah it's just gotten to that point where i've dealt with so many creepy people in those kinds of situations that when it's through something like a dm which you know i have like 34 <laughs> requests right now that i just haven't checked um it's just kind of a part of the routine you're always going to get a few a few oddballs in the mix few inappropriate, yeah. few inappropriate ones yeah yeah <laughs> actually earlier you'd mentioned um angel vivaldi and jason richardson now those are two guys who i've been watching for a really long time angel is my fa is one of my favorite guitar players right mm -hmm. now me too so i have to say my favorite guitars right now have to probably be wes hauck is number one 
And then a tie at number two is probably Andy James and Angel Vivaldi. Um, and I followed Angel for a while, and then because he is friends with my singer, uh, he's come out to a couple shows. He's played a couple shows with. We played the Stone Pony in uh, Asbury Park, New Jersey, and uh, Angel came up and and played Zombie with us. And Whoa. Then me and him, yeah, That's me and him sick. went and had, had some had some cocktails afterwards, and uh, and uh, just kind of solidified our friendship. So he is definitely my, one of my favorite guys out there right now. And I really don't think. I mean, maybe online presence. He might not be underrated, but I feel like Angel is just one of those guys who like has always done things a little more DIY, and he's like, "No, nah, I'm going to do this shit myself. I'm not going to worry about you know this, this, or that." And I really appreciate his like East Coast punk rock vibe when it comes to doing his stuff, and you know, and he's got a signature guitar with Charvel now, and um, he's just. He's just my favorite puta. You know what I mean? <laughs> mm -hmm. I totally know what you mean by that. Angel has definitely been one of my favorites for a very long time as well. I love Dopamine by him. And I mean, there's like way too many to name. I was going to do a cover a little while ago, but got to mm -hmm. get got to get those chops up. You know, I mean, I love his tapping too. I'm Tapping is definitely not my strong suit, I don't think. So he's definitely uh, It's not cool. for everybody. Tapping can be overrated, but when people do it tastefully, like Angel, yeah, or uh, or like Wes Hauk, it's it's definitely a great tool. But just like sweep arpeggios, it can be too much. <laughs> yeah, right on. I feel like there's a balance with everything. But what I really love about players like Angel and Andy, like they're such technical masters. Like they really truly are, but they're also so tasteful, like with their music and they're so melodic. So I really dig that for sure. Now, I saw recently that you got a, a Steve Vai gem guitar. Mm -hmm. I sure did. <laughs> uh, um, are you uh, endorsing Ibanez, or is that just kind of like you saved up your cash and got one? Yeah, I had to save up some cash for that, baby. <laughs> I had to get her fixed up because one of the first days I got her, I accidentally uh, bumped her into something, so I had to like super glue um, the end of her. But yeah, she's a, oh, no. she's a great guitar. Honestly, probably the best guitar that I have played, which my SG will be extremely jealous that I've said that because that was my favorite for a really long time. But it's just been sitting on the rack for a couple of weeks because the gem just plays so great. I definitely would. Yeah, you yeah I'd recommend Sorry, Ibanez to anybody. Ibanez is great. <laughs> now, I know you had it's an uh, Epiphone or a Gibson SG. It's an Epiphone. Yeah, a lot of people think it's a Gibson for some reason, but yeah, she's Epi. Yeah, because I remember when I saw the the uh, Andy James and Michelangelo Badio shred collab that you were using the the SG, and that's not really something like. <laughs> so I like segue uh, when I was twenty two, so yeah, like twelve, thirteen years ago. Uh, I had moved to Seattle for a while, and at that time in Seattle, there was like a huge psychedelic doom metal scene. Like, just really avant-garde. Like, it's, like, not just stoner metal, but it's, like, <laughs> stoner metal times 100. That's so cool. And all the dudes up there, were just, they would literally go to pawn shops and guitar shops, and that's all they'd 
were Gibson SGs, and they were just like, oh, I got this one from like 1977, and it's got three P90s in it. And that's literally the only guitar I, I have seen so many different variants of a Gibson SG. <laughs> yes, there's and a lot. And then I stopped seeing them. And then I saw yours. I'm like, oh, man, I haven't seen someone play an SG in a really, really, really long time. That isn't like Angus Young. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so what what brought you to the to the SG? Was it just out of convenience or was it something you're like, I love this guitar? I would say it was definitely probably out of convenience because at the time, I mean, I've only been playing lead guitar for a little over two and a half years now, close to three, but I started on acoustic when I was like 14, just strumming like four chords over and over. Mm -hmm. um, but but then I was like, you know what, I, I really want to kind of ex expand here and do something different. So I just went to my local guitar shop and when I saw it, I was like, yeah, this is the one. I mean, partially because it's it's a little bit lighter than some of the others that I had tried, which I'm like, yeah. I'm like the size of a grain of rice. So... <laughs> I, I some guitars are way too heavy for me like I used to have a Les Paul which broke my back it was just it was a lot <laughs> yeah I've I've definitely leaned to more four strings in the past couple of years due to having back issues um I just it doesn't make sense to haul around like a 12 pound bass five string when you know because I, I played I played dingwalls um because we tune so low and I figured out that I could get pretty similar, um, a pretty similar tone from the four strings as I can the five strings because they're blended scale basses. Um, but the four strings are so much lighter, and I've been going towards more body styles that are, you know, I think I, when I went from their their regular combustion style body, which I believe the five strings are like nine or ten pounds. And their four strings are like eight pounds. And then I went to the D rock, <laughs> yeah. which is like seven pounds. And I just, I just, I can't, I can't hold the big bases anymore. It just, it's, it's too, too much pressure on, on my shoulders and my, and my neck. And I, yeah, when you, when you get to be a certain age, <laughs> oh, my no. back already, my back already almost broken half this year. <laughs> so I don't need, I don't need anything else. I don't need any more of that heavy weight on my, on my shoulders anymore. I mean, if you look at even guys like Matt Heafy, like they have that, that dual strap from Richter, um, because he plays those big, huge Epiphone Les Paul seven strings. And it's just, it's just like, honestly, it's more comfortable. You know, when you play a huge dinner table guitar, you know, you got to have the support. And I mean, I, I know guys like, um, I can't think of his last name right now, but his name's Wally. He's a Russian bass player and he plays this big old heavy Warwick and, but he's got a dual strap. He's just like, it feels better. It's less pressure on my, on one side of me. And because I can distribute the weight, even leave the instrument, I have no back problems. So I know a lot of people hate on the double straps, but you got to do what you got to do. Um, <clears throat> You said you've been playing lead guitar for two and a half years. Um, are you taking lessons from anybody in particular, or are you doing lessons at all, or just kind of self-teaching yourself? No, I mean, I've pretty much just been self-teaching. Like, when it comes to songs, I try the best of my ability to <clears throat> learn, like, by ear, but sometimes that's not totally possible. you got to get the tabs. Mm -hmm. So mainly just a combination of YouTube videos and, and trying to sound stuff out has been my main like way of learning, I guess you could say just by ear. Yeah. When I started, when I was 10 years old, I played acoustic guitar 
it's one thing that I've always I've always been able to do is been able to listen to a song and replicate the notes. And for that reason, I have always worn earplugs. It doesn't matter if I'm at practice, if I go to a show. Now that we play live, I have in-ears, so I can always control the volume of what's ever going into my ears now. But that's one thing that I don't think you can act, you can reach. And as I've gotten older, I have, I've noticed that it is a little bit harder for me to pick stuff out. So they don't have it anymore, but I used to have this app on my MacBook I think it, I don't remember well, but they stopped updating it so store anymore, but it's called iRehearse. And basically what it did was when I was learning more technical music, it would slow down the song without um, p- uh, pitching, like shifting the pitch of the song. So you can actually sit there. Like I was learning some, um, some death metal stuff from a band called Aborted a few years back. And that's actually how I, they didn't give me any tabs. They're like, hey, just learn these songs. And that's how I picked it out was just being able to slow down the song and and pick it out. But now, luckily, with, you know, how far digital workstations have come, um, you can kind of you can slow stuff down and speed stuff up without sacrificing, you know, pitch and all that other stuff. Um, but I remember when I was still playing guitar it was probably 2006. Yeah, I think 2000. No, it was before that 2004. And I was really into like as I lay dying, Kill Switch Engage. Like I think Kill Switch Engage just came out with like the end of Heartache, and there was a lot of those records coming out. And I just remember I had this old, really old like speaker system, and it had like a ramp and like a preamp and like a, a and these two massive speakers. <laughs> Sick. In my, and I would put I would put my PV fifty one fifty next to those speakers, and then that's how I would learn songs. Is I would I would match the volume <laughs> and try to figure out how to play those songs from there. Nice. Um, have you, so when you're when you're when you're learning songs so you learn songs you try to learn them by ear if not by tabs but when it comes to certain techniques are you just are you doing the same just kind of like figuring out how certain dudes uh play certain things or do you like look up certain scales online like how do you navigate that oh yeah definitely um like i i definitely try to mimic somebody's technique if I really like a certain riff I very rarely learn like a full song all the way through I just pick out a riff that I really really like or if it sounds technical or fancy or or something that I want to get under my belt uh yeah of course I definitely try to figure that out but I also look up scales sometimes I'm really 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 trying to break out of some of these pentatonic boxes and everything definitely gets boring after a while um, so yeah, I, I do have moments where I print out, um, different scales. It's kind of just a blend of both when it comes to practicing and, and learning. Depends on the day, really. Yeah. Now, see, I was, I was self-taught. I taught myself how to play, play guitar. My cousin who had given me my first electric guitar, he taught me a few of the, the standard chords like D chords, C chord, G chord, all those the major chords, and then he taught me how to do a power chord. Uh, and then from there, I just kind of, I was like, all right, I'm going to I'm gonna figure this out on myself because, you know, I was grew up, we didn't have a lot of money, and my mom couldn't afford lessons. And then when I was getting my first jobs, I was getting guitar lessons from uh, A.J. Minette, who is the formerly guitar player for a band called The Human Abstract. Um, so I started, because I worked with his mom. That's how I, like, figured out. Because oh I had already liked the band, and then I was working with his mom, and uh, and 
I can't remember how, it, but she's like, oh, you listen to metal? And I was like, oh, yeah. She's like, oh, my son plays for the human abstract. I'm like, oh, shit, really? It's like, yeah, he does guitar lessons. And I'm like, I'm like, oh, well, tell him I want guitar lessons. And I started taking guitar lessons from him. And, uh, you know, there's some stuff I remember about taking those guitar lessons, but not a lot. And I've always just kind of like, you know, I'm not a lead player. Like, I can do and stuff like that. But as a guitar player, I was like, I'm going to be more of a rhythm player. And then when I kind of shifted focus towards bass, I was just like, well, I'm just going to do what I've always done and just learn things by ear. And uh, I did that for most of my career. And then a few months ago, I was like, you know what? I really don't know shit about my instrument. And I was just like, someone could tell me to do play something in this key and I have no idea what they're talking about. So I'd actually decided to start taking lessons. So I've been getting lessons for the past couple months from a guy named Jacob Umansky, who is the bass player for Gia intervals, uh, the faceless. He's really, he's one of the, Mm, yeah, he's a super, super, super talented guy. I think he went to um, Berkeley school of music that's how you I, become I be a wrong. musician right there berkeley is the shit <laughs> i've been told that plenty of times if everybody's like if you're ever going to go to college go to berkeley because you will be a musician if you go to berkeley yeah so he's been teaching a bunch of stuff and uh and i've been really trying to look at the guitar a different way and because we tune so crazy in bad wolves i i haven't really had a standard tune bass around and i retired one of my touring bases that I've had for the past two years just because I don't think it would make it through another tour <laughs> I feel that without having to replace without having to replace everything inside the uh, the, the 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 back plate and uh, so I was like all right I'm just gonna keep this bass at home I'm gonna tune it to standard so I can kind of just mess around and play whatever I want and uh, and that's kind of what I've just been doing is every day you know I wake up I do my old man back stretches <laughs> and then I practice all the stuff I have a little notepad that has I've, he's been teaching me and I've been getting into a little bit of music theory he's been he taught me like the seven modes of the major scale um he's been teaching me like diminished scales and stuff like that and then also doing you know fifths thirds triads so it's 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 really amazing because I've been playing the guitar for 22 years and playing bass for 18 years now. And I never really thought like, oh, this thing could possibly help me because we're, we're writing a new Battles record right now. And I wanted to come, when I start doing my bass parts, I wanted to, I wanted to have a different perspective than the last two records. I wanted to do things just a little bit differently, either technique-wise, which I've been, you know, he's been teaching me different, you know, slap techniques, uh, I'm not really into tapping, so that's not really not really my thing. But the rhythm section in our band is really percussive, so I was like, I'm going to try to learn different uh, different percussive techniques that you know, like guys like Mark King had perfected. So James Leach from Sixth, I asked him, I was like, dude, how do you do this part in this one song? And he's just like, oh, I'll just send you a video. And then he sent me. He's just like, he's like, you have to have really low action to do this, which is great because even though we tune to drop G. I'm still able with my dingles to have that low action. And he's like, it's literally just a ripoff Mark King from level 42. Uh, he's, it's just a, a ripoff Mark King riff. And it's just, it's all palm muted. Um, and it's just hammering the strings to get like a pop, like a slapping sound where mm-hmm. you're just kind of hitting the fret yeah. and, and then kind of like uh dead muting pop 
And he's like, yeah, that's how I played it. And I was just like, oh, so you're really not. It's all dead notes. And he goes, yeah, it's all dead notes. So it's been interesting to just try to, because I try to get my perspective. Uh, I, I've been trying to get a new perspective on the instrument from the guys who I admire. And Jacob Umansky and James Leach are definitely, I mean, they're not all of the people that I'm, I'm following, but they're definitely two of the, of the most um, like influential players to me right now. Um, and I'm just, I just really want to come into this next record with a different train of thought than, than the last two. And I, and I kind of want to be looked at more as a player because I mean, the first record had a lot of crazy stuff on it and I was able to kind of spread my wings a little bit more, but with the second record being more straight ahead, there's less, you know, there's less funky parts, there's less open air, but with how our new songs have been coming out, there's, it's kind of like a mix of both where I could still do the straight ahead type bass but also spread my wings on different parts. So that's been the the major thing that I've been trying to focus on with my playing is just I wanted I want a new new perspective on writing um writing bass parts. And but I also don't want to be a shitty player anymore. I mean not that I I'm a <laughs> shitty player, but I just I would I want to be one of those dudes who's just like that guy can can play this 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 or not cuz for some reason, for the last 11 years, the only people who call me are like, hey, this guy knows how to tune really low. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, I mean, if I could play bass, I would definitely want to learn the slats technique as well, because that's just so dope, for sure. Um, and like, I totally feel you with the music theory thing, because like I've said, I basically learn on um, listening to other people and seeing what kind of patterns they use. But yeah, music theory is definitely a big goal. I know like a very minimal amount, but it definitely changes your perspective and helps you write and all of that good stuff. So I can't wait to hear the new record, though. That's going to be sick. Gonna be sick. Ah, I can't wait to actually, once, once the songs, I'm literally the last one that does anything. So what they'll do is, you know, the other boys will get together, record, nitpick the songs, and because they don't want to re-record anything else they'll do the guitar tracks as like scrap and then move it around and then once that's fine um tommy will sing on it and then once the guitars are redone then they'll send it to me and then i have a certain amount of time to actually sit down with the material and figure out what i'm doing but i mean on other records that i've done or when i've um been planning to play certain things a certain way and I've always called dudes who were better than me. I'm like, because uh, this one song, it didn't even actually make it to a record, but I wanted to be able to play the part live because I wrote a, it was like a slap intro, but there was also some like kind of vibrato tapping on some of the higher strings. So I called my buddy, um, J uh, Jason McGuire, who was another Berkeley guy who was, you know, an amazing, he's like, he does like Latin and salsa and stuff like that. So I was like, how can I do this? And he goes, you're going to have to figure out how to do a whole pull offs and pull ons at the same time in different keys, because the main beat of the, the, the intro riff was just daint, 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 daint. And then the kind of lead that I add, 
was was ding 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 while the, <laughs> uh, the other part was going on at the time so he's just like you're gonna have to d- basically kind of play piano on your bass so he taught me how to do that the song actually didn't end up making the record so i was like oh i just learned how to do this kind of for nothing because in the studio i just did i just did it one at a time um but i was like yo if we actually play this i want to be able to play this live and not like have like a looper or have anything because uh, we didn't we didn't play the tracks um so if if you wanted to play how the record sounded you know, we had six members in this band, so it was two lead guitar players, um, three, uh, me playing bass, the one of the lead guitar players and the singer would all, and the keyboard player would all do vocals, and then we had a keyboard player doing all of the samples. So we we didn't play to any click, we didn't play to any tracks. So if you wanted to play things how they were on the record, you needed to know how to play them live. Um, but like nowadays, you can just like, oh, I'll, just, I'll put that in the track. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? Maybe it'll be on a future record. You could bring it back, maybe. Maybe slip it in there. Just be like, hey. <laughs> Wrote this uh, part a while ago. Yeah. Or some shit. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I mean, it's just, it's a completely different vibe. And honestly, I'm not be, I don't want to be too crazy. Like as, as I've, as I've been touring for the last 10 years, I've really, because when I first started, more was more. I was like, all right, I'm going to have the big full bass stacks. I'm going to have the crazy two amps. One's distorted, one's clean. I'm going to have all these different, you know, crazy stuff. And I was just like, now I'm just looking for like a pedal board modeler. It doesn't sound like shit. And I was just like, I just want everything on one pedal Honestly, board. Honestly, yeah. I don't, I, don't want the, <laughs> I don't want the crazy amps dragging around like three or four eight by tens and a massive rack full of stuff i'm just like you know and i'm really excited for the neural dsp quad cortex to come out you know i I pre-ordered one so i'm really i'm really looking forward to get my hands on one of those just because i haven't really had great experiences for bass on some of the older axe effect stuff or some of the um the kemper stuff i mean the kemp for me does actually sound more of what i want but it's just there's something missing. So I'm really hoping with the quad cortex, I'm like, there's my rig right there. And I can literally play guitar, bass, ukulele, <laughs> whatever through it, if, if if I really want to. Um, now, when it comes to your rig, is it just, are you basically doing all plugins? Do you have like, uh, or do you have a big amp? So I use the Helix L- LT for most of my tones, which I love. I think it's a super great pedal board. Um, I, I use an orange amp at home, but honestly, like you know, I'm not super big on having like all the, you know, big amps and everything. I definitely prefer a little pedal partially because when I was coming home from one of my gigs a little while ago, I had like a Yamaha speaker in, in the car and a deer, it was like a Mm -hmm. huge ass speaker. Like imagine a big ass speaker and, and there was a deer in the road. So I had to like slam on the brakes and then this Yamaha speaker just came flying towards my head and hit me oh, and knocked me out. So I got a concussion. So speakers have tried to kill me in the past. So I, I try to <laughs> stay clear. I mean, a big ass Yamaha speaker, that was like for a metal gig. We had like some metalcore artists on that gig. It was a big speaker. So at least yeah. I'm alive. <laughs> well, you said you're in upstate New mm-hmm. York, right? Yep. Um, well, I know out there and a lot of the mist during this time, it's the, you know, deer and elk mating season. 
and the male deer are literally idiots from the end of October until the beginning of January because all they're thinking about, you know, is they're getting they're getting into their mating <laughs> rituals. Um, and that's why they say when you see a deer, like, don't flash the brights because they don't understand what's happening. You have to turn them off and turn them on because they get because they're literally so hypnotized by their mating <laughs> season that if you turn the lights off, they're like, oh, shit, what am I doing? Oh, I'm going to get out of here now. Um, so they say to turn your turn your lights on and off and they'll and they'll do that. But that's mm-hmm. that's crazy. Um <laughs> You only hit the deer, and then the speaker. <laughs> well, hit it's you. like I didn't like hit the deer, but I just slam on my on the brakes. Oh, you slam I, I was going really fast, and I had it was nighttime too. Had to slam on the brakes. Deer was fine. Deer lived. Like he's living Bambi his lived. life. You know, probably mating fine. But <laughs> like, yeah, it was. It hurt. Like the the side of the speaker too. Like the sharp end. Like one of the one of the corners. Oh shit. Yeah. Hey, we're doing good, so it's all good. (laughs) (laughs) Did the speaker make it? Yeah, it it did. It did. Um, I don't. (laughs) I don't use it anymore. But it's all good. Well, I don't blame you. It tried to. It tried to murder. It really did. It tried to take me out. But luckily, I have a a hard skull. (laughs) (laughs) So, out of out of all of the guitar players that are out there right now. Who would you say your your top five? It's is? so hard to say because like they're all like <laughs> so good in their own ways. I really have to say, obviously, everybody that I've collaborated with is way better than me. Like that's so clear to see. But my top five, if I had to choose, would be Andy James, um, who's actually one of the first guitarists that I ever connected with after Jared. So Andy, Angel. Um, Joel Hoekstra, he's a beast. He's a monster, especially with the tapping. Tim Henson is really, really, really dope with his technique and his style. He's from Polyphia. Is that the guy from... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, just, like, insane. Like, the phrasing is just... They've definitely been one of my uh, top influences these past couple months, and they're releasing a new record soon, which I'm really stoked about. Um, And Nita Strauss would be another one i love nita i just think she's so cool she's such a badass i was really? in a band with her that's so cool i didn't know that yeah back in t- yeah back in 2011 or 2012 we were in a band called consume the fire um so it was me nita strauss um the singer was carl bensley who later went to go sing for snot the league, the original lead guitar player was Dave De La Cruz, who was in Silent Civilian, and the drummer was Damien Renault, who um, went on to play bass for Once Human. He just he just produced the last Dragon Force record, and now he's producing the newest uh, Fear Factory record. Um, so he's kind of you know he's made a name for himself. Um, I just think it's it's really funny that when. We were all in a band together at a certain time, and the band didn't work out. We just ended up, you know, we ended up breaking up, and all kind of went on to do stuff. I think Nita was, it was either Nita or Damien that hit first, because I know, I'm not sure how long Nita's been playing for, for Alice Cooper, but I remember when she got that gig, I was just like, you know, fucking good for you. Cause she was working like, cause while we, she was doing consume the fire, she was still doing other um, studio sessions. 
and she would like go and play for Jermaine Jackson or, you know, she would go have this session and do this session. And then she was also doing makeup um, for, you know, movies and stuff while, you know, trying to make a living as well as being (laughs) a, you know, in a, a, you know, a a full time band and doing sessions. So when she when she joined uh, Alice Cooper, I was just like, you know what? Good for you, man. She's she's definitely put in the work. She's an amazing player. She's a great person. And uh, I really love her little dog, Bentley, <laughs> and I miss Bentley. <laughs> yeah, I'm so surprised I did not know that. That's so cool. I didn't know she was a makeup. Well, we weren't a big band. Oh, I gotcha. Uh, we, weren't, we weren't a big band at all, and we were only around for, I think, a mm. year, year and a half. So, like, we had a few songs. Actually, if you go, we I think our SoundCloud <laughs> is still up there. So if you go to SoundCloud and look up Consume the um, I think we put like five or six songs up there and you can totally tell because we had two lead guitar players in that band as well. You can totally tell Nita from, uh, actually the guy who recorded that one was Ben Robbins, who was in Gypsy Hawk and a band called Jameson. Um, but you can definitely tell the difference between, between the two and you can, you can definitely tell which song. Yeah, Nita that's wrote. so dope. <laughs> She's definitely one of my biggest inspirations when it comes to my like improv and and my writing on on guitar 100% like pandemonium is one mm-hmm. of the first like fully instrumental guitar songs that i learned so so oh, yeah nice. definitely cool all right um is there would you like to tell people where they can find you online to watch your videos or Stalk sure. So if you would like to either stalk me or be my friend, you can um, find my Instagram <laughs> at the Kate Devin, which my name is spelled C A I T D E V I N. Facebook is Kate Devin. Um, I have a TikTok now, <laughs> Kate Devin. I mean, everybody was telling me to get one for so long, but I am horrendous at TikTok. I just can't seem to firmly grasp how to be good at it. But um, yeah, I can chuck and wait there. Sorry, I don't have a TikTok. Honestly, I don't like it. it's it's kind of difficult, honestly, because I see a lot of my friends blowing up on there with like millions and millions of views, which is crazy. Um, but I, I'm like stuck at like 200 views per post, so I, I got a little sliver of of the TikTok vibe. <laughs> apparently, whatever the best time to post on TikTok apparently is 8 a.m. in China. Ah. <laughs> so if you can figure out what, because I, I have a few friends who have like multiple millions of views on there. Like, they're like, you need to get on TikTok. Like, that's the way things are going. I'm like, I'm not, I'm, I don't want to be on TikTok. <laughs> so I'm not going to do it. I can barely handle Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter right now. So, uh, but apparently they said that if you post at 8 a.m., like in Hong Kong time, uh, that's when you'll get more views because most of their because I think China has like fucking a billion <laughs> yeah. people and most of the users on TikTok are in China so if you can figure out what time that would be in Eastern Standard Time you might be able to get a few more views on any of your, any of your videos anyway uh. that's what I was told like I don't <laughs> understand I don't understand the TikTok or the I, I, I think I was I couldn't even get a, my head around mm. Snapchat. I don't use it. <laughs> and I yeah, it's not I I used it for a while and then 
I remember I dated this girl and she's just like, dudes with Snapchats um, are just trying to get nudes. And I'm like, well, I'm not trying to get nudes. So I, I guess I don't need a Snapchat. So I was just like, nah, I'm just going to do the standard Instagram, Twitter. And I, I rarely go on Facebook anymore, but Facebook as well. All right. So it's yes, uh, the Kate Devon on Instagram. Yep. What about your YouTube? Yeah, YouTube you is YouTube Kate channel? Devin as well, which if you go to Bradley Hall Guitar's YouTube channel, as I you know, first mentioned about the first collab, um, he has everything linked there as well. And all of my other socials are on katedevin.com. And I have some content um, up there as well. well. Nice. Well, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate your time. And I'm glad that we were able to you finally uh, get this together. I had some kind of scheduling issues on both of our ends. So I'm glad... Uh, you are finally able to get you on. But anyway, um, thank you, and I appreciate your time, and thank you all for listening, and Ooh. I will see you next time. Cheers. <laughs> all right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the podcast. I really appreciate you guys tuning in. I don't even know if any of you guys listen to this far in the podcast. I don't know. Maybe you guys just turn off after... After we say goodbye. But I always have a little something at the end of the podcast. Again, I want to thank Kate Devon for coming on. You can find her on the web at the Kate Devon on Instagram, Kate Devon on YouTube, and anywhere else. Apparently, she's on the TikTok now. Your boy still is not going to get a Tiki Talk or a Snappy Chat. I don't, I don't like it. And I don't want it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just too old, I think, for all of that. For all that nonsense. Um, but yeah, if you would like to sponsor an episode of the podcast. I don't know why I've stopped putting this in the front of the podcast. This should be front and center. But I think because I kind of just do whatever I want on the podcast. And I only have myself to really answer for. Answer to. That, I don't know. This is just a little fun thing. I don't make any cash off of it. It's a literal hobby. But if you want to... Oh, piece of shit. God, that was so gross. I'm sorry. If you want to sponsor one of my episodes of the podcast, you can reach... I can't talk today either. I'm not going to edit any of this either. This is just what it is. This is all one take. I'm not going to edit it. I'm not doing that. If you want to sponsor an episode of the podcast, you can reach out to me on social media, on Instagram or Twitter, at KSConkeel, or shoot me an email at JustSTFUPodcast at gmail.com. So until next time, Conk says goodbye. <laughs>